Welcome to the Public Services Reform Podcast from the Centre for Market and Public Organisation. My name is Ramesh Vitalingham and today I'm talking to Helen Simpson. We're going to be talking about knowledge transfer, which is all about the links between university research and local businesses. Helen, I wonder if you could start off by explaining what this knowledge transfer idea is all about, really, and what the issues are that you've been looking at. Well, the issue that we've been looking at is the extent to which firms are choosing to locate their R&D facilities near to universities and near to um, particular university research departments that might be of relevance for the industrial R&D that they're carrying out. And the reason that this is of interest is that the government has has focused quite a lot on innovation as part of its um, policy to improve UK productivity. So in recent years we've seen the Lambert Review into business-university collaboration and following that up more recently we've had the Sainsbury Review which has looked at um, policy towards science more generally. And the government's also intervened in a number of other areas, for example, trying to increase um, research and development in this country through initiatives such as the R&D tax credit. So innovation has been quite an important focus of policy. The reason we think this question's also of interest is that the government's also set itself a target to increase R&D intensity in the UK. And one way um, which it might move towards meeting this target is if it can attract large R&D doing multinational firms to the UK. So as part of our research, we look specifically at whether foreign-owned firms are choosing to locate their R&D labs near to places like Oxford and Cambridge in order to potentially capitalise on the research that's carried out in those universities. So the the issue is really about uh, where there's top quality um, research being done in universities, that's public funded R&D if you like, and then what what private sector organisations are doing in terms of the location of their research, as at least that might, might think of it as private sector R&D. It's about the sort of links between those two, really. Absolutely. So what we're really trying to, to do is, we, we know sort of just from reading the newspaper or, or, or looking around us that there might potentially be clusters of, say, biotechnology firms near to Oxford. And if we look in another area of the country, we might see only one firm doing research and development in this area. So what we're trying to think about is, Are those biotech firms in Oxford because they want to be near to world-class research in biology departments, chemistry departments, medical departments that is actually being carried out at Oxford University? Or have they simply chosen to locate there because in the Oxford area there's a, a, a lot of skilled individuals who might potentially be employed? Or Oxford's close to London, firms are choosing to locate there for other reasons which are nothing to do with the university. So it's trying to untangle those those two mechanisms and say, are firms really choosing to locate in these areas because they want to be near to university research scientists? So we know that there's there are places like Silicon Fen, there are lots of firms in information technology computers around Cambridge University, and you've mentioned biotech around Oxford. Is, is this a quite a common phenomenon around the country then of, of seeing clustering of firms around around university departments? I mean, what we do, as, as you say, is that the phenomenon might be different by, by industry and by location. We look at different um, industries separately and we find that clustering is strongest when you look at, for example, pharmaceuticals um, R&D. And that tends to be located near two universities which have chemistry departments. And we find that the clustering phenomenon is even stronger with respect to university 
departments that are highly rated as carrying out world-class frontier research. And we differentiate between these two types of uh, departments using what's known as the research assessment exercise, which is carried out by the higher education funding councils in order to decide how to allocate research funding across universities. And what it does is essentially try and measure the quality of research that's being undertaken in different university research departments. And we use these quality indicators to sort of rank um, university departments. And so, as I said, we see in pharmaceuticals that this clustering is, is more pronounced around depart chemistry departments that are rated, given the top ratings. And if we look at foreign-owned activity in pharmaceuticals, we actually find that this phenomenon is even stronger. So they tend to be even more clustered around those universities which have the highest rated chemistry departments in pharmaceuticals. And we find other instances of this in the chemicals industry. So that's with respect to the, the highest rated departments. In other industries, such as machinery or communications equipment, we do actually see instances of, of clustering of R&D facilities around relevant research departments, which actually are given lower ratings under the research assessment exercise. And what we do then is, is sort of think about why that might be. Why do, we, why do we see this clustering around lower rated research departments? And one, one reason might be is that if the research assessment exercise focuses on measuring basic research, research that's published in journals, it may be that those departments which are then given lower ratings under the research assessment exercise are actually carrying out more commercial, more applied research and are actually interacting more directly with companies, receiving a higher proportion of their funding from the private sector as opposed to from public research funding. And so that it may be that companies are benefiting from consultancy or from collaborative R&D with research departments that are given low ratings under the RAE. Yes, because I guess I mean, we do make this distinction between basic and applied research. And you might think that the, the, the world-class you know, frontier research departments are the ones that are actually more likely to be doing the basic research and less likely to be doing the, the commercially relevant applications of that. Absolutely. And there may well be to some extent a, a split between the focus of these different departments. Another, I mean, another thing in, in terms of thinking about this sort of clustering that we observe around these departments is exactly what it's driven by. Is it driven by firms actually thinking where in Great Britain do we want to locate and then actually choosing to locate near to um, Oxford or Cambridge? Or is it actually driven by the scientists themselves within those departments choosing to set out set up spin-out companies. So it may well be that in some of these world-class research departments they're doing basic research but this basic research does have commercial application and that actually some of the clustering that we observe is driven by spin-outs from the universities themselves. We don't pick up the precise mechanisms but we suspect there's a, there's a mix of these things going on. So what kind of policy implications can you draw from your research? I mean there must be implications here for a range of different types of organisations, the universities themselves, uh, local industry, uh, industries making these decisions, multinationals, and then of course the, the, the funders of, of research and, and the higher education funding councils and, and behind them of course the government. Absolutely, I, mean, I, I think we'd see the research as providing background evidence which is of potential relevance to a, a number of areas of policy. Firstly, thinking about how research funding might be best distributed across university um, research departments. At the moment it's quite heavily skewed towards those that 
obtain the highest ratings under the research assessment exercise and our research is implying that, that actually this skewed distribution of funding maintaining these world-class um, research departments is important in terms of attracting firms to locate in these areas. However, you know, you might think about what would happen if you had a more even distribution of funding. Obviously, that would have implications for particular regions, but, you know, there are trade-offs between thinking about the implications for particular regions, thinking about tr how a more equal distribution of funding might affect the country as a whole. So there are implications for distribution of research funding. The research is also relevant to thinking about things like whether the government should have active policies towards encouraging firms to cluster together. I'd actually see the research as saying that firms are choosing to cluster together themselves, potentially without the need for government intervention. So if these firms know that locating near to a university might improve their performance, it looks like they're doing so anyway and that it's not necessary for the government to sort of intervene to try and push them towards these particular locations. The research also has some relevance towards the design of incentives for scientists in order to think about encouraging them to commercialise their research, thinking about how technology transfer offices might be structured in terms of providing incentives for universities as a whole to commercialise research. We don't have anything direct to say about that, but I think going forward what we'd like to do is introduce more information on the extent to which universities have active technology transfer offices and try and bring in a bit more information about what the universities themselves are doing in this area. So what are the key questions that you're going to be looking at going forward? Your, your research is part of a, a big uh, initiative on the impact of higher education on regional economies. Uh, and of course we have another research assessment exercise uh, results to be announced uh, sometime next year, 2008. Um, what, what, are the, what are the things that you think we really need to be looking at, focusing on uh, going forward? Well, going forward, what we're going to try and do is, is extend the work to think about whether these firms are interacting directly with universities. It may be that some of them have chosen to locate their near to a university, but they're not actually talking to scientists in, in the university research departments. They're not actually collaborating with them. So what we'd like to do is, is bring in new information on the extent to which firms are actually saying that they're... Um, actively collaborating with universities or that they find universities an important source of knowledge for their innovation activity and think about whether for firms are more likely to say yes to those questions if they're located say within 20 miles of a, a highly rated chemistry department. So thinking about that going forward and, and as I said thinking about whether we can see a role for um, university technology transfer offices in the extent to which firms in the local area are likely to be saying that they're actively interacting with the university. Helen Simpson, thank you very much.